Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on eight. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. This is Richie Incognito of the Buffalo Bills. You're listening to Locked On Bills, presented by Cover One. All right, welcome into our Overreaction Monday edition of Lockdown Bills, brought to you by Cover One. This episode, of course, brought to you by XBet. It's XBet, uh, which we'll get in a little bit more into uh, by the end of the show, as we have quite a lot to get into um, over the next 20 minutes or so, because obviously, it's Overreaction Monday. And <laughs> in fact, I, I, people just, I think, really jumped the gun, Eric, and they went Overreaction 430 and decided to hit to Twitter at like 345 <laughs> and really just smear the internet with all sorts of uh, just plain and simple overreactions to a loss that, listen, I, I, I tried to prepare folks. This, is, this was a tough game. It wasn't just because of the opponent. Obviously, the injuries are eventually were going to hurt this team because what did we say early on, Eric? This was a team that couldn't afford to lose a lot of guys if they, especially the brand of football they've been playing, there's a very small margin of error. And if this team gets a lot of injuries, it's just not a sustainable brand of football. Yeah, I mean, we want complementary football, and we want our offense to to be efficient. Um, obviously, we're getting the defense playing. They're they're playing at an elite level right now. And you know, Tyrod Taylor and this offense took a lot of heat over the last 24 hours. Deservedly so, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. No doubt about it. And, of course, injuries played into that. And uh, we're going to talk about that here in a few minutes and how, you know, losing Clay and how the first half, the second half, was almost like, a, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Miss Hyde because, honestly, uh, we did pretty well in the first half, Nate. The first half of play, I, I think maybe there was – how many drives? Not many drives in the first half. I think there was only four for each team, three or four. There was a lot of ball possession – and the one thing that I'll say about the Bills is they were putting together some drives. The three and outs weren't the issue in the first half. It was the second half, really right off the bat. And Tyrod even set it off, um, you know, in postgame that that drive really, it, it kind of messed with their heads a little bit because they had prepared for to come out and be successful. I mean, that's what you do when you come out in the second half. You make some adjustments on based on the first half, you know, well, what, well, what didn't. And you try to build off that. And coming out three and out, three and out right away, really hurt this team and I, I just I think the emotional thing but that wasn't the only thing it was sort of the compounded um, emotional reaction of losing their best pass catcher who's been arguably their offensive MVP in Charles Clay over the first quarter of the season now we know it's uh, at least going to be a long-term injury potentially um, you know maybe the end of the season they get Clay back maybe like a Sammy Watkins situation of last year but um, I, I think there was maybe the compound um, you compound that injury and that sort of, um, I'm sorry, I got a little ring action here. <laughs> no, you're uh, right. You're right, though. I mean, the, you know, losing Clay was huge. Obviously, he's right. our number one target. But, you know, I think what he brings, not just uh, in the run game, because obviously he's pretty important in that regard, uh, he brings that vertical threat. And in the first half with Clay in the game, you know, the, the defense had to play a little more, you know, too high sets. Uh, on the defensive front. So that obviously helped us run the ball a little better. I mean, Shady finished the first half with 10 carries for 51 yards. We had 66 rushing yards in the first half, um, which obviously helped our offense because our offense, again, 
We want it to be efficient. We want it to be ball control because we don't really have the weapons, elite weapons to, you know, be explosive. And I think Cincinnati came out with a game plan to, to get ahead early and force our offense to be right. that way. But, you know, honestly, the offense took, you know, took the, uh, the, the challenge and they, they, me they measured up and, um, you know, end of the first half, Tyrod came out and dropped a, a dime to Brandon Tate in the back of the end zone in a situation where, um, honestly, the play call probably wasn't the prettiest play call. They're running, you know, vertical concept down the seam to Tate uh, from the 12-yard line. I, but, I, I have I mean, to think that was something they saw, like on film. Maybe sure. they were seeing uh, it because it ended up being really that zone was wide open. So they must have seen like maybe an over-pursuit every time that look came out on the, you know, inside the red zone or something like that because you're right. It's a very – very sketchy play call inside that. That's just a dangerous play call and typically not a play that Tyrod would even try to throw. No, I mean, and, and I call it a dime because the trajectory yeah. of the ball had to be perfect. The ball speed, he had to put touch on that over. Cause they looked for me. I, I mean, obviously all 22 is just coming out probably as we speak, but you saw a few of the end zone angles where it looked like cover three or cover three match. So he had to get it up over that defender, but in a hole between the safety and that, and that slot defender. So it Hard was a pretty fire. ball. Yeah, Buzz it was pretty so tiny. It know? was perfect. And honestly, a great catch and control by Tate, a guy that actually didn't he he played pretty well versus the Bengals so. last year too, right? I so. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, that's his old team too. It's um one of those things. And listen, you know, he's not a bad fourth or fifth option. And obviously he brings the return element. I thought he that return really set that offense up in great position. Um but it is an issue of playmakers right now. And you know, who is left on this team to make plays. I mean, your top two targets, um, your best wide receiver, and, you know, far and away your best pass catcher. Um, and maybe most dynamic player outside of LaShawn McCoy, now injured. You just, you face an uphill climb. And, and I think the overreactions immediately start to, they want to point fingers at Tyrod Taylor for the offense's, offensive struggles. And listen, this is a guy um, through five games is literally on pace for the exact same season he had last year and the year before. This yeah. is a 30, you know, one, 3,200 yard, 20, 17 to 20 touchdowns and six to eight interception player. It's just what he is. Yeah. And the idea that this guy can be successful with the weapons that he's surrounded with at this point is just a big ask of this player. And for people to act surprised or to, um, you know, lash out and say he should be benched because of it is um, simply not a, an evaluation of, of everything at once. I, it, you know my criticism to Tyrod Taylor. Sure. They've been consistent, just like most people that evaluate him. It's yeah. been the consistent thing. So it's known what is the problem, and it's not like they're still – the number one rushing offense in the league. They were the number one rushing offense, and this is what the, you're, you're getting 16 points in a game. I'd have some serious questions about whether or not Tyrod should be playing. However, right. yeah. they're getting nothing from the running game. Right, and, you know, I also want to chime in by saying, yeah, I think the I think if we straighten the run game out, honestly, I think this, this team will be even more balanced because, again, we got the defense. We got a, a quarterback that is, you know, more of a game manager than an explosive, uh, you know, quarterback. So... Uh, I, I think they just need to augment the run game a little more because, you know, in the second half versus Cincinnati, uh, you know, Shady was, he was shut down. He had what, 12 yards in the second half. We finished with 82 rushing yards when we had 66 in the first half. I mean, that's, 
if if we were able to run the ball a little bit better in the second half, I think that would have put us in more manageable situations because I, I charted Nate, I charted the second half and, and the third down specifically. And there was only one third down that we had third and short. It was a third and three, and that's where Taylor hit O'Leary for nine yards. We had a third and seven in the fourth quarter that we were bailed out of uh, by Carl Lawson's unnecessary roughness call. Every other third down in that second half was a third and eight or longer. And we all know that we cannot succeed on offense with that formula. We have to stay on schedule, stay on track, or else we won't. Uh, be successful and and it has to start with the run game because we need more production there i mean in, we should be getting more production with tyrod and Lashawn mccoy in the backfield okay keep your eyes closed okay i want to show you my first ever painting Ooh, all right okay open your eyes oh that's a lot of colors mm-hmm. <laughs> and shapes so be honest what do you think well uh i like how if you switch to geico you could save hundreds of dollars on car insurance oh yeah that's that's true Yeah. Here, why don't I hold your paintbrush while you call them? Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. And the thing, too, I guess that's, you know, obviously there's a lot of frustrating factors, but you you look at the run game and immediately people are saying, okay, they need to go back. They need to scrap. It's the system. It's the zone blocking scheme that these offensive linemen clearly can't execute. And then, again, you look at personnel. And you say, well, this team, this organization, this philosophy came in. Now, I understand you have to, you know, take into account that injuries are going to happen. But they're without their best offensive lineman at left tackle. And a big part of this zone blocking scheme is a lot about fundamentals, fundamentally sound. That's why I think Richie's having a great season. Richie's having a Pro Bowl season because he can fit in any system. But you look at a guy like John Miller, he cannot. He's not playing well in this system. And I don't think – I think he's sort of drawn the short stick, unfortunately, um, Miller, but because I just don't think Dukas is a very good player. I think he's being put in because of his size, which is a little puzzling to me. Yeah. But um, I don't know. There's, there's just more issues than benching Tyrod Taylor. That's, that's not the, the route a three-and-two football team goes. It's not even in the minds of this coaching staff. So the fact that it is so loud everywhere else um, is – I don't know. It's – it's weird to me. I, it's just we know what we're what we're dealing with, you know. So yeah, with Tyrod, definitely. And, and Nate, I wanna, I also wanna kill another narrative today because it's really, honestly, irked me since the game ended yesterday. And that's the fact that everyone is trying to run with this narrative that Rick Dennison is not adjusting to his personnel. I mean, that is absolutely not, just nonsense. Uh, absolutely nonsense. And I went back right before we went live. I went back and charted every single run that we had yesterday and out of the 24 times we ran it we ran four outside zone calls four everything else was a power gap counter tray run so the fact that he's not uh the the narrative that he's not adjusting to the scheme or personnel uh that's hogwash man i I just want to kill that now and but this also plays on top of then why did they start ducas because Miller is a power guard. Yeah. He's a gap guard. That's the only thing I didn't understand. And, and what I'll say, too, to, uh, uh, like on top of that point, is they've completely scrapped a three-step game. They've, they, there's really no remnants left of the, in this offense. If you remember week two of the preseason, we're like, wow, <laughs> this team's running a lot of three-step. Sure. Are, are they running the West Coast right now? And all of a sudden, 
that's gone. Week five. It week four, they didn't have one three step drop back. Mm-hmm. Like this is an offense that's now built around the strengths of their quarterback and their running back. <laughs> and, and, and people are saying, well, why isn't he adjusting? Well, he is. And it's listen, Tyrod, the right now, they're doing what they can with Tyrod, knowing that the same problems still occur, that he is struggling still to pull the trigger at times. But yeah. it's just uh, – you said it well, though, and, and I'm glad that we – because that narrative is junk. It's garbage. It's lazy. It's, it's a very lazy narrative. Yeah, I mean, it just turned on the film. I mean, I, I honestly, I think it was the, late in the second quarter is when we first ran the outside zone, uh, first outside zone of the whole game. I mean, he was running counter trays. He was running center pulls. That is not a, a Denison staple, guys. So when when you hear these, uh, you know, media people say it and ask these questions at pressers of, uh, you know, is the offensive line struggling? Yeah, they are struggling, but they're mainly struggling in the pass pro because if we don't have a play action game, we can't help them in the pass pro department. And when we are forced into third and longs, well, guess what? They're not going to really bite They're not going to really bite on that play action, regardless if you get them out of the pocket or not. And that's what Cincinnati did. They put us in third and long, stopped the run, and and they're a top defense. I mean, three of the – uh, you know, three of the games and defenses we played against uh, were, were top defenses. Our top defenses right now. So uh, I don't understand why. For number one, everyone's so surprised that we struggled on offense. All right, because going into the game, everyone's saying, "Oh, this is a trap game. This is a trap game." Look at their defense; they're so good. You don't underestimate them. And then we struggle, and now it's like, "Oh my God, we got to bench Tyrod Taylor." Oh my God, right. we got change the scheme. The coaches are bad. We need a fire offensive line coach. Stop it. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's irritating. <laughs> And it, it just gets to a point where, you know, and, and then somebody tweeted at me today saying that, you know, when are you going to part ways with Charles Clay? He can, he's never healthy. And it's like, what do you mean he's never healthy? He's what? been playing through injuries almost since his, a chronic knee issue and has missed, and I haven't gone back to look, but he has missed only a handful of games in his time here in Buffalo. He's been an extremely reliable player considering the fact that he comes into every season knowing they have to sit him a practice every week during training camp because of the knee issues that he still has, but he's still available every game. And the only other game that he missed was due to the birth of his child. So it's just, you know, it's, it's an easy way. There's, there's players in the NFL. They're just easy scapegoats. And, and it sucks because Taylor, again, that it seems that now like people are coming at me as like, I'm defending Taylor and saying <laughs> he's a good quarterback. And listen, he is a very average, decent quarterback. He is. That's the yep. way it is. And unfortunately, you don't have the team to win with that quarterback. You just don't. Yeah, I mean, you don't have really the weapons either. The weapons. But, I mean, the things that he does well, it does mesh really well with this scheme. And, you know, the rollout game, the play action, and, you know, the run game. Typically, the run game, this off- outside zone run game is typically really good. Uh, it's struggling right now, yes. But... Again, Dennison is adjusting, and the one thing, the one critique I do have about him when it comes to the run game is, and and we've said it, you know, for a couple of weeks now, is uh, zone read. Where is it? Where are those yeah. design design QB runs one, or just the look of a design run? Because that's something Anthony Lynn, didn't, Anthony Lynn did last year is he would have him in the pistol or in the shotgun and make it look like it's a zone read when actually it was just an inside zone or or whatnot or just the normal run concept because right. uh, they didn't want to get him on the perimeter, get him hurt, but. Uh, that's something Dennison didn't incorporate this year, and I'm kind of upset that he didn't because, honestly, I, uh, I thought he could do some special things, especially out of the pistol formation. Yeah, I, I do think, too, that this offense, I think, too, is struggling because they don't have another dynamic threat other than, you know, LaShawn McCoy 
coming from the backfield. Listen, for what Tolbert does for this team, he fills a role. I think an important role because you do need a goal line back. Shady's not that guy. And on third and two, third and three, he has proven he falls forward. He's a yep. nice asset to have. I don't yeah. like him as your number two option at running back. I, I, it's never been a lack for trying. Listen, uh, imagine if we would have had an opportunity to evaluate Tyrod Taylor with Percy Harvin, Robert Woods, and Sammy Watkins all off the field with Charles Clay and LaShawn McCoy. Imagine if you would have had all of those weapons to fully evaluate Tyrod Taylor. That would have been super ideal. Then he would have known that literally this is a ceiling. He can physically go no higher because he has a great offensive line and a great running game. What we have now is a very difficult situation in terms of evaluating a quarterback because of you have to take into context. You can't just look at film and only watch a quarterback and then watch the broadcast and see a guy that was open and say, well, he missed that because it's just everybody wants to be an armchair GM. <laughs> but the thing is, is during the course of a game, you don't know where his cues are. You don't know who the play is intended to go to. They may be calling a play specifically to try to beat a look. And it might have not anything to do with the wide receiver that's coming from the backside yep. of a play-action fake. Sometimes it's just the way it goes. Yeah, and it's tough, especially when you know these hot takes on Mondays are are, are without the all twenty-two. And and let's let's face it, none of us know really what the reads or progressions are on any given play, even with the all twenty-two. So let's throw that out there. And you're right, honestly, you know, we want to be really tough on Tyrod Taylor. And, you know, with the all 22 included, but what it comes down to is, you know what, he's, he's, he's making plays the way he can. And they're trying to, you know, build this offense around the way he can. And when you lose Charles Clay, I mean, and, and you're not running the ball, those two things together, it hurt us in the second half. I mean, we're one for eight on third downs because we were in third and long too much. And, you know, throw in, you talked about briefly about the injuries, especially Cordy Glenn. And I'm hearing, you know, stuff on Twitter that, uh, we should, you know, he may be on a trade block or should we put him at right tackle? Almost the same conversations we we're having with Cyrus Kwanjo last year, Nate. And it's just one of those things. I, I don't, I, when he's healthy, I think he'll be back at left tackle. Uh, I right. think underappreciate how good Cordy Glenn is you know, compared to the rest of the league, not just in our system, but compared to the rest of the league. That's what I don't think. I don't think people realize right now, just league wide, how much it's only because it's being glorified by guys like Kareem Hunt or before his injury, Delvin Cook, you look around the league, no one is running the ball successfully right now. There is a serious problem league-wide with good linemen. It's sort of like the baby boomers of the world. All of the good offensive linemen, the greats, are all sort of getting older. There's, and there hasn't been that new wave of really good. Listen, there's always a draft class where you look at, and there's six offensive linemen in the first draft, or the first round of the draft, they're all studs. That, that hasn't come of late. And you see all these number one overall picks at left tackle, Luke Jokel and these Eric, the Eric Fishers, and all of a sudden, like, they're out of the league, and Luke Jokel's playing left guard now. And it's you look around the league, it, is, it has become very difficult because the opposite has happened defensively where there's a premium now on the best athlete on the team isn't playing linebacker anymore because they know the money comes when sacking the quarterback. So now you're bet that Demarcus Lawrence right now, oh, my God. Like he's that guy is a freak. He's right not. Now. He doesn't have the the body of a football player, but yeah. he is a freak athlete, and that's where you make the money rushing the passer. So it it just goes into sort of this is the NFL now, and adjustments need to be made accordingly. And 
The Bills are just one of those teams right now that are struggling to piece together a five-piece line due to injuries. Yeah, and your points on the offensive line play from the college NFL level, those are all valid. And I think that's part of the why like your team, the Browns, went out and spent the money. And, and teams like the Rams went out and spent money on free agent linemen to bolster their offensive line rather than you know get take a high draft pick and and hope to develop him because again uh the nfl and college game are becoming further apart and at a lot of positions not just quarterback but at offensive line play too because um the more they water down the system for quarterbacks the, the more they water down technique for offensive linemen and I, that's probably a, another a podcast for another day honestly because and and an right. interesting one because uh that's something that is definitely happening and, and and happening and uh should be uh you know Taken, taken a, a look at by most fans. So uh, let me get to the chat box. Uh, so who are, who's our sponsor this week, Nate? Okay, so we definitely got to tell you about XBet because it's actually a very interesting we, – we've talked about some betting sites on here before. This one's got a great mobile website. Um, you kind of just log in and you can bet any game right there from your phone. Like tonight, if you want to bet on the game tonight, it's uh, three-and-a-half underdogs, I think, for the home team. So – um, that's Chicago and Minnesota tonight. So if you wanted to bet on that, you can go right up on expat.ag and play right away. All you can do is create an account and log right in. And, you know, it, I mean, they're offering live in-game wagering too. So if you want to right in the middle of a game, it's it's kind of great. So just head to uh, my, it's xbet.ag today. Make sure you use the promo code too, though. The promo code is going to be xbet, all caps, and you'll get uh, up to 100% bonus on your first deposit, which is probably the best part about it. So you want to go and get uh, your money back immediately and go bet it, have at it. So just go to xbet.ag now. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. So, Nate, I, there's something in the in the chat box I want to address, and it's from our boy it. Mike Stock. It, it's uh, you know, it's still about the offensive line play, and it's mm-hmm. another another narrative. I don't know where it was started, but let's put uh, Ryan Groy at guard. Where did that come from, Nate? Do you agree with that? And if if so, if he's such a good you know a good guard, why hasn't he been playing? <sighs> Ryan Groy's interesting. Um, they decided that he was a player that they needed to bring back in a depth role. Um, I really liked him when he was filling in for Eric Wood. I thought they had very comparable advanced stats at the offensive line position. I thought that as and they really had a pretty similar sample size of games. Um, back to back. He's a nice sized player. Um, he's got what you'd call like ham hocks, you know, he's got those big legs, um, (laughs) (laughs) but guard, I I don't know. I, as an evaluator, he seems like a guy that is natural, in my opinion, better at center. And however, I do think that at some point he needs to get a look if it, especially if you're looking at Dukas, um, Dukas is just not the answer. So what do you do? I, do you give Groy a look? Eventually, I think you. It just it is interesting to me though that they haven't at least tried to move him around because the talk was that he can play any interior position. Yeah, I think that if a guy like Miller 
and Ducasse are playing at guard. And they, I mean, I don't know. I'm not at practice every day. We're not at practice every day. I think that if Groy was good at guard, which he, he does have some traits, yeah. he would be there. Be and, there. and I think when, uh, you know, the, the common argument, as you mentioned, is that, uh, yeah, we paid him a good amount of money to keep him. And I think the reason they did that was because of Eric Wood's history, his age. And honestly, I, I've been disappointed with Eric Wood. I thought that this scheme, the outside zone scheme, zone blocking altogether, would help him and uh, help him excel in the run game. Now, yeah. he's always struggled uh, versus those, you know, beefy D tackles, yep. those shade nose tackles. And I don't, that hasn't changed. And I actually studied, I watched uh, the last two games of him uh, during the week. I just haven't been, haven't been able to create the content, but he's disappointed me. So from top to bottom, I do think that, uh, you know, he has struggled this year. Um, and honestly, if they hadn't extended him, which kind of threw a loop in, 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 yeah. in you know, Groy probably playing any time at center, um, I honestly thought that going to him, going to Groy at center would have been uh, a move later on, especially considering the contract and that, um, I mean, he's only what, on a one year, right? <coughs> Groy signed a two year, I believe. Two year, two year. Okay. And it's very reasonable. That's why I thought it was, I thought that was the transition. I thought that that was them passing the torch because of the price tag that you'd be paying your starting center in his second year was like almost, a mil I think it was a million and a half. Like it's something really reasonable. And then you bring back a guy and, and Eric Wood, listen, I don't think anyone's going to sit here and argue the worth of Eric Wood in terms of what he is in a, as a leader. But I think his play since, I don't know, really the end of 2015 has just steadily, uh, but that again, it's, you look across the league, it's just a common team. Nick Mangold was what? How many drafts before Eric Wood? Not many, one or two. He's out of the league. Yeah. So you have to realize, like, these guys take a beating, the offensive lines in the NFL, especially now. I'm just getting rolled up on all the time. Knees, legs, you know, this, this stuff's difficult to continually come back from. That's why a guy like J.J. Watt's in trouble. But, I know, that's – it is you just – these big guys, when they sustain those types of injuries, that you lose a step very quickly. And those guys – when they lose a step, it's very, very noticeable. Just, you know, ask Eli Manning. Yeah, and, and my thing with Groy, again, I think it's it's very similar to Miller. I mean, I, do I like him as a power guard, a pulling guard? Yeah, I do. Um, but I do think he still struggles with some of those inside moves that we see Miller struggling. I think he's very similar to Miller. Um, and I worry that by moving him around, you're only going to hurt his development. And if we wanted him to replace Eric Wood, uh, you know, in the future, if they're trying to build for the future, like they say they are, then you keep Groy where he is and 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 run with what you have. Honestly, again, I think that Ducasse move was bull. I honestly, they should have kept uh, Miller in there, especially if they're going to run all the powers, all right. the powers they did. And I and you know, you know the one thing about Miller is he he can move. Yeah, and he like, did really yeah, well. Yeah, he can versus, pull. Yeah, it, it, last year versus Atkins, there was a couple struggles, but as far as, you know, double teaming and 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 I just remember a few plays where he just torqued uh Geno Atkins. I mean, he just yeah. torqued him and when he, he was healthy last year, uh he he played really well in the power scheme. So I'm uh, in in the power game and even on some inside zone play which we ran a lot last year. So I was kind of baffled by that move for Dukas, especially Prior yeah, to the buy, prior yeah, to yeah. the buy, though, like you made the switch on Wednesday, your first day of practice, you're going to put Vlad Dukas in there to start against the Bengals, you know, top one of the top defenses in the league. If you're going to do that, why not wait till after the buy? Yeah, it yeah, didn't make it, sense to me. The timing. OK, uh, Miller struggled. He has. But wait till after the buy, then give him, give him, a, you know, I, it just didn't it didn't make sense to me. I'll say this, too. The, the, the interesting thing about this front five is 
you know, they're not playing, they're, they're not the worst unit in the league. And, you know, a lot of people will be like, wow, this offensive line's taking a giant step back. And, you know, I, I think people also have to realize too, that when you change offenses three times in three years and you change philosophies three times in three years, that, you know what I'm saying? This is, and again, you have to talk about the roster turnover. These are all new players trying to gel together. The fact that they started off three and one, I think was more shocking at, than them losing on Sunday. And, and I think that people needed to keep that in perspective about this season is that the three and one start was the surprise. It wasn't them losing to the Bengals. And once you can kind of get that in perspective, this game becomes a little bit clearer and, and you just, it, it is telling. All you have to do is go to pro football reference and go ahead and look up Tyrod Taylor because the two seasons he started last 2015, 2016, very similar seasons in 14 and 15 games. He actually had a better season in 14 games in 2015. He had a pretty efficient season that year. He did. And you talk about the next year, he takes, I don't want to say step back, statistically speaking, no, he did. And then this year, he's literally on pace for the exact same numbers. And for people to just be, well, this isn't going to work. And the idea that, like, Nate Peterman is just, uh, they, like, the people know that he's better. It's, how do you know that he's better? It, okay, I understand if there's this clamoring to go to a rookie. Yeah. But this isn't a guy that you spent a first-round pick for. He's not stepping on the door. He's not on the doorstep or on Tyrod's heels. He's a guy they drafted as a long-term development option, maybe a guy that could fill in for you if your guy goes down. That was That's the MO on him is he was pro-ready to step in and play one or two games. Do you know what's funny? Wouldn't it be funny? Wouldn't it be a really good career of Nate Peterman if his ceiling was Tyrod Taylor? Oh, that's a good point. I mean, like, and, like, are people I, expecting him to be better than Tyrod Taylor? I, I honestly, uh, most of the time, okay, you know, Tom Brady is an outlier. Those guys that are drafted later are outliers, all right? Tyrod Taylor, you know, late yeah. draft pick. Nathan Peterman was drafted in the round he was for a reason, guys. And, I mean, Nate, we love Nate Peterman and what sure, he brings as yeah. a quarterback. He does everything right, all the intangibles, the mechanics, the throw on the run. He's a system fit. It was a, it was a good draft pick, all right, a guy to develop. But let's not act like he is ready to play, uh, especially over Tyrod Taylor um, this season with this defense. Uh, you know, on our our defense is good. So have a guy like Tyrod who is gonna yes, he's gonna hold the ball a little bit, but he's also gonna create some explosive plays when you don't have weapons. And, and I talked about this with you, you know, through a text message that I was surprised we didn't do uh, more five wides in the second half versus the Bengals because towards the end of that first half. We went to five wide. He hit Shady a couple of times. He extended a couple of plays. It forced the defense to spread out. I did the coverage better for him. So I was kind of surprised that they didn't play five wides a little more. Uh, so, uh, I mean, it's going to be one of those things where he's going to struggle, though. I mean, he's going to struggle. He's going to hold a little bit. But, you know, start using things, those scramble drills, those four and five wide scramble drills to help Tyrod move the ball and force that defense to show their hand. And if it's funny because I, I don't think that the people calling for Nathan Peterman really know what they're asking for. Like they don't really know what they're calling for because you know what they're calling for is them to completely scrap most of what they've been doing now in the five and seven step drop to go to what works for Nathan Peterman, which is a three step quick, get the ball out fast. If he's not there on your first read, you're probably just going to check it down on your second read as your second read. So that what you're asking for is a, sim, a, a really simple version of the offense we're getting. You won't see the type of – can Nate Peterman even get out of some of the terrible situations that Tyrod's been inside, inside the pocket? I don't think so. So, like, what you're asking for, you have no clue the ramifications of putting a fifth-round pick who, first of all, 
doesn't have the escapability that Tyrod has, as I was just mentioning, doesn't have that escapability to get out of an offensive line that maybe one other, two other quarterbacks can play behind successfully in this league. And it's not Tom Brady. It's like Cam Newton or name another running back that can run for his life out of the pocket because that's what you're dealing with right now. And that has to be – you have to have that in the back of your mind and know what you're asking for when you're saying let's put a fifth-round pick in. You're on. I think you're on. You mute. All right. Sorry about oh, that. You're on. Right, so mute. the thing with <laughs> Peterman again, I, I like Peterman, but I think uh, with him, it, it just it's limited in a different way, you know, than Tyrod. Tyrod can make he can make most of the throws. Okay, Peterman just can't. He's always thrown from the near hatch to, into the boundary. I mean, that's something Matt Canada did with him, uh, you know, when he was at Pitt and. Um, you just can't scheme a game that way. You can't no. win a game that way. Not in the NFL limit- because of where the hashes no. are too. It's not like the the exactly where you have those wide hashes and you can disguise your quarterback's lack of arm strength over the course of the field. That's what it's designed for in college. Is you can mask some of those when you go to the pros. Everything gets tougher. You've got those narrow hash marks. And I'll tell you what, throwing from the right hash to the right sideline is not that much different than throwing. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. from the left hash to the left sideline, it's just. People have to use that stuff and, and keep all of that stuff in mind when you're talking about a guy who physically just doesn't – he can't throw the whole route tree. So you're talking about you all you – so Bills fans, you guys want to watch slants and dump-offs and maybe an, an in, a timing route every once in a while, and maybe he can top, beat the top off with a corner route, but he's not throwing any posts 55, 60 yards down the middle of the field beating a cover three. He's not doing that. So if you want that or if you want a more exciting offense – that's what doesn't make sense to me about these people calling for Nate Peterman. You want a more exciting offense, and you're 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 asking for the guy to sit on the bench that can run a four five and can get out of what he's been having to get out of. It's just it's baffling to me. Yeah, and I have some uh, you know stats up from the preseason and Peterman and the way the offense was designed for him in that preseason, and it uh, compared it to Tyrod Taylor's numbers uh, last season. And twenty five percent of his his throws were to the wide side of the field. That's just solo. You can't have that. Again, it limits your offensive play caller. It limits all of your weapons or lack thereof. And again, you you talked about the offensive line, how we need consistency, how we need to at least get a five set, you know, five guys set um, so that we can build some consistency. Well, when you don't have that and you're going to throw a fifth, you know, fifth round rookie in there, it just screams, uh, it screams like you want to tank, honestly, and because Tyrod yeah. right now, let's let's settle it. He gives you your best, best shot to win. No question, best shot to win, hands down. Are, are there some things that he's got to work on? Yeah, but for the most part, Nate, as we said, he is who he is. Let's just uh, you know maximize what he does well. And I believe Dennison again outside of the zone read runs. I think Dennison and this staff has done a really good job of helping and maximizing Tyrod Taylor. They just got to get that run game going, Nate. Yeah, the, for the last word, I, I definitely agree with both of those points. And the running game is maybe the most important thing to to begin to get back on the right track. And 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 we knew coming in, even with Clay and with Matthews, that this was going to be a work in progress, something that we had to be patient with. I said it in the fourth preseason game. Tyrod Taylor needs ten games before we can even start to criticize him for his shortcomings. It's you you have to wait. We're not even – we just got to the halfway point of that, and people are already calling for his job. So that's what I'm saying. You you need to have patience with this offense and realize that 3-1 and one wasn't 
in the plans for the fan base. So what, what happens when they win is they weren't – so now they've, they've captivated the hearts of, of fans everywhere, and then they equally crush them the next day. It's just – you just need to be more even-keeled about it. I know that's asking a lot for uh, a Bills fan, but <laughs> yeah. um, it, it is what it is. But we just need to, as a collective fan base, understand – that you know, if you're driving a you know Toyota Camry and you're going up against a guy who's an Andy Dalton who's got AJ Green and you're driving a Ferrari, uh, it's a little bit different of a race. Okay, you're not you're not really racing the same race. So uh, those are just things that people have to sort of keep in mind. All right, well, this remember we have to remember that this episode brought to you by, of course, XBet.ag. Head over to XBet.ag and uh, put some money on tonight's game and hopefully get a win. XBet.ag. So for Eric Turner, Nate Geary, this has been, of course, another episode of Lockdown Bills brought to you by Cover One.